Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. So it's nice to have everybody here. My name's Ray, one of the pastors on staff, and I know you just got seated. But we have this thing called Respect the Word, and so I'm going to ask you to stand one last time. And it's in Luke chapter 2, it's the Christmas story, and we're going to pick it up in verse 8, out in the fields with the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, and here it is for today, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Lord, we pause once again just to lift up non-peace places in our world today. Israel and Gaza and the Ukraine and other places around our nation and our world and even in our own community. And we pray, and we pray that your peace would prevail. This is our prayer today in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Real quickly, I want a couple things I want to share with you. Number one, uh, it was me who who asked them to put the five-minute sign up. Some of you, because you didn't get your coffee, I understand. Uh, I don't drink it myself, but I know it can. And I just want you to know it was me. So uh, I was hoping we, Pete, we could get in here a little sooner for worship. And so I had to put that five-minute sign up. And so if you're struggling with it, I want you to contact me directly. And so you can do so at daniel at wearecalvary.com. And so if you'll do that, you'll speak directly to me. And... Uh, and there. Secondly, uh, we're doing Christmas Eve a little different. Thursday's the ladies' party, and there's 400 signed up for a ballet. Paradossi's coming. If you'd like to sign up for that, you can. But on Christmas Eve, we're doing it over two days. Our last service on Sunday, Christmas Eve, is at 5 o'clock. And this is, we have opportunity to do this. And here's the reason why we wanted to allow our staff, who is normally here until 1 o'clock in the morning, we'd like them to be home with their, their families. This is one time where we just want them to, everybody be home with their families. So uh, if you don't like that, then you can, again, contact me at Taylor at We Are Calvary and let me know how you really feel. So anyway, we're talking about peace today and uh, we're excited about it. Our, our, our season of Thanksgiving and Christmas started out just a little bit differently. The day before uh, we were to celebrate Thanksgiving, Mary got covid and so it was a little different day. I, got, I went out and got her some meds that evening on, I guess it was Wednesday night. And then she stayed in the room while the rest of the family was in the living room. And I, I got to do the turkey, which is an adventure all in and of itself. And Stacy and I did it. Uh, on a side note, I've learned something, and I want to share this little secret with you. When Mary and I would do the turkey, we'd get up early, and, and we'd take butter, and we'd melt it and just baste it on. I've been watching some videos and I've now learned that you don't base it on, you take huge sticks of it and you shove it under the skin. 
And so if you really want your turkey to taste good, you, you wrap the whole entire thing in butter inside and out. I got to be honest with you, it was the best turkey I'd ever had. And I now realize after watching YouTube and all those things that butter plays a vital role in all cooking. It, it destroys our health, but man, it makes things taste good. So there, that's the secret this year for a good holiday season. And when I say holiday, I mean holy day. And so we're excited for you to, to share Advent with us. And every year we kind of say, okay, let's do a different take on this Advent season. Well, let's talk about something different. And yet you really can't. It's kind of like, you know, Easter. <laughs> you talk about the Lord's death, resurrection, ascension, and one day he's coming back and Christmas is kind of the same thing. Jesus came to our world. He came to this place and he offers us hope and peace and joy and love. And, and that's Christmas. And that's Advent. Advent looks back. Advent looks forward to the coming of Jesus the first time and his second coming, Advent, when he will come once again. And so there's nothing more significant than talking about peace today because I think people like you and me are desperate for it. I think we struggle with this concept called peace. I think, we, I think there's a lot out there in the world and in our own homes and in our own families that make us struggle. And so th there's this kind of thinking going around that we can win the day. And Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller, wrote this book. I think it's called Hidden Christmas. I, I glanced through it the other day. and There was this one quote that I want to share with you as we begin this message today on peace. Here it is. Years ago, I read an ad in the New York Times that said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us. And so we are the ones who can dispel the darkness. We can overcome poverty, injustice, violence, and evil. If we work together, we can create a world of unity and peace by Tim Keller. And I'll simply ask this question as you looked at that quote briefly, and it's in your notes. Can we? Can we do these things that he just mentioned? I want to start with the definition, and I want to call it the definition of non-peace. I couldn't come up with another word, so the word I'm coming up with is actually two words, non-peace today. And as I thought about peace, I thought about this question. What does non-peace look like? What does non-peace? Now, we could give it different words. There's a lot of synonyms and stuff for, for this, but non-peace. And, and so what characterizes it? And here's, here's the definition that I'm working with. It's the opposite of peace is characterized by conflict, turmoil, and discord. When there is a lack of peace, there may be tension, hostility, unrest, or a state, and this is my favorite part, a state of disarray. Things aren't just right. The absence of peace can manifest on various levels, including personal relationships, communities, nations, and the world at large. Now, there are examples all around. I don't need to pick on them. I don't need to point them out today. You know them just as well as I do, that around our world, there is non-peace happening all around us, from Israel to Gaza, Seattle, and South Hill. It's happening all around us. We're surrounded by non-peace. Then you not only have uh, what's going on out there, it's Christmas. There are people who will struggle financially. There are people who, this is their first Christmas without a loved one. Uh, I know what that feels like, and many of you do as well. This is our first Thanksgiving or first Christmas without someone that we love dearly. So you have all these uh, opportunities for non-peace to overtake our lives. And, and this tension, this hostility, this, uh, this disarray in our lives and in the world around us has become, if you will, commonplace. We've grown accustomed to it. Uh, I mean, honestly, when I read the news, I don't even blink anymore when, uh, you know, if a mass killing is defined by four people or more, they're happening all the time, and it doesn't even, it doesn't even move us anymore. 
We are so used to it, the tension, the hostility, the things that are going on around us. We're not, we're not even, we're nonplussed by it. And so we've grown accustomed to it. We live constantly with a heightened sense of awareness. When you go out of your house, I know I do. When, I, when I'm in certain situations, you know, I haven't been to Seattle, I don't know in how long, but normally if I go to somewhere, even the South and Mall, I'm in a little bit of a state and height of awareness, aren't you? I mean, you start thinking, what, is there a possibility of something going wrong? I mean, whether it be here in the church, we have security here in the church, we have things here and, and out in the world. You live with a certain sense of, I, I, when I was making my notes, I, I put, I put wariness, actually I put wariness first, by mistake, wanting wariness, but they both fit. We live our lives with a sense of wariness about what's going on around us, and it makes us weary. Are we together in that? We are both weary and wary of what's taking place in the world because of this, this, this theme through our world and through our lives of non-peace today. There is a sense of disarray that things are out of kilter, that things are out of sort. And we, and we beg for help. We look for help and we look out there in the world and we hope that those people over there can do it or those people over there can do it. And the reality is that there is no one taking seriously the call to peace except what God's word has to say. And should be, by extension, you and I. There's a sense of disarray that surrounds us that things aren't quite right. We feel it. Not just up here, but we feel it in our bodies. The effects of living without peace. My definition, it create, uh, as I've been doing reading all week on this issue, you know, when you're living in a state of non-peace, when your anxiety level is going up, it releases this drug called cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And it affects you physically. It, there is impaired concentration, anxiety, depression, disrupted sleep patterns. I'm talking about how it affects us physically. Weakened immune system. There is a greater risk of cardiovascular issues, muscle pain, gastrointestinal issues, and accelerated aging. We live with stress. We live with stress. Anxiety among every age group, including those little kids. Anxiety is on the rise in little kids. Sleeplessness has become common. We look for better beds and better blankets and heavy blankets and all the other stuff, and nothing seems to help. We struggle with concentration and focus. We're more susceptible to, to illnesses. A lot of the sicknesses that come on us, in my opinion, and I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm just not. Uh, but I'm just telling you, I want to be sensitive here. I think a lot of this stuff comes from our, our sense of anxiety that allows this other stuff to come on. At least it's possible. And so we're more susceptible to heart issues and to digestive issues. And we age more quickly. You may not believe this, but I'm actually only 26. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe a little more than that. Right out, right out the, that, those double doors, there's a picture of me. And it's when we first came. A long, I won't even tell you how long ago, a long time ago. Well, when I walk by and I look at that picture, two things strike me. Number one, I had hair. I had a lot of it, and it was all dark. And now, what isn't letting go, what isn't turning loose is turning gray, and it, on and on it goes. But my point is, when, when we deal with this higher levels of stress, it does affect us physically. Well, if you don't agree with me on that one, and I think most of you do, how many know that this non-peace affects our relationships? I mean, it just does. Effects of living without peace in our relationships. There are communication breakdowns, increased conflicts, emotional withdrawal, lack of empathy, impact on intimacy, increased negative patterns, 
uh, weakened relationship satisfaction and impact on decision making. When we struggle, uh, when we struggle with non-peace, it makes it harder to talk with each other. Can we agree? Makes it harder to talk with each other. There's these things called neural pathways, and when 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 everything when we when we are dealing with stress so much, uh, these things light up in our brains, and we either want to fight with somebody or we want to run. It's fight or flight. It's all those things that take place. You know, we struggle with our ability when when we when we have non-peace in our souls and our hearts. We don't care what others are going with because we're consumed by ourselves. We're consumed with us, and so empathy and compassion for others goes away. And those negative patterns of our life when you're struggling with a lack of peace, and we're going to get to the good stuff in just a minute, but when we struggle with the lack of peace, patterns that we start developing, they become ingrained, and, and those new pathways in our brains start taking over, and we start doing things we know aren't right, but we do them anyway. How many know what I'm talking about today? It becomes ingrained. Our closest relationships no longer bring the satisfaction. And, and I know we want to point the finger at them and say it's all about them, but more often than not, it's about me. It's about me. And, 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 and this is just between you and me. If you're struggling with a lack of peace today, non-peace in your soul, when you're going through those neural pathways are all firing up and, and you're going every which way, now is not the time to make important decisions in your life. Can I just say that as a pastor, as your friend? Don't make important decisions if you're all lit up inside with stress and anxiety. It, it's not the right time to make major decisions in your life. And, and too many times we do that. Now, Let's get to the good stuff, the other side. How many know that there are health benefits, physical benefits to not living in a heightened state of anxiety and stress and non-peace? Well, I know this stuff is basic, but I want to get it out there. There's improved cardiovascular health, stronger immune function, better sleep, all the opposites, less muscle pain, improved digestive function, enhanced respiratory function, slows the aging process at a cellular level, oh please Lord, and we just feel better. We just feel better when, when we're not dealing with all that stuff inside of us. My dad, I love my dad, but man, he struggled because he didn't feel good inside. He was struggling. He dealt with depression. He dealt with discouragement. He dealt with an overwhelming fear that something was going to happen to me or my brother. I mean, when I went to a, 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 a party with young people, I'm not talking about a kegger here. I'm talking about a church party. You know, they... Some of you know way too much what I'm talking about, and that concerns me. Uh, everybody knew. Everybody at the, at the party knew my dad was going to call. How I many you know my stress level went up? They just knew because he dealt with that. It's because a lot of the things that he did on the outside were because he didn't feel good on the inside. He was struggling. He, he, he lacked peace. And a lot of us maybe in this room, we deal with the same thing. A living at peace can release some, some of those drugs that I have no idea, endorphin, serotonin, dopamine makes you feel good, and it improves our mood, reduces stress. And I think at least we ought to, as Christians, I don't think we just go straight to the biblical stuff. I think we, we need to be honest about how our bodies react to this stuff. Is that okay to say? And, and then the benefits in our relationships. Oh my goodness. Benefits of peace, there's improved communication, stronger emotional connection, constructive conflict resolution. Heightened empathy toward others, deeper trust, mutual understanding, positive influence on our kids, greater resilience, and better quality of life. You know, it's funny, but when, I, when I'm at peace within me, I find Mary easier to talk to. There's something that changes in her. I don't know what it is, but when I'm at peace with me, 
she's easier to talk to. When we're at peace with ourselves, there's a deeper connection with other people. So, because we're not consumed by that stuff when we're walking in peace. We become more empathetic and compassionate toward those around us because we're not consumed by non-peace. We, it's easier to trust. When we're at peace, we set an example, a better example for our children, and we bounce back more quickly from hurtful things if we're walking in the peace that only, frankly, Jesus can give because you know that's where I'm going. So here's my point as we turn the corner here. There are physical, emotional, and mental benefits from a life lived at peace. It just is. The question is, what does that peace look like and where do we get it? Because by now, I mean, if I were a salesman, certainly I've sold you that peace is better than non-peace, that the benefits to our health and to our mental outlook and to our emotions are certainly better. Well, if you're here today, you should be asking this question if you don't already know. Pastor Ray, where can I get this stuff? Where can I get this kind of peace? Don't jump ahead. Peace comes through a restored relationship to God through Jesus Christ. There's no other way, friend. It comes through Jesus. Through Jesus, we are reconciled to God, filled with the Holy Spirit that produces, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what I wrote, produces the fruit of the Spirit. And we learn to live in God's purposes and his will for our lives. And this peace then, once we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit, the peace of God that comes through Jesus Christ because we've been reconciled to God because quite honestly, our biggest problem isn't that I'm fighting with you. The biggest problem is that I'm fighting with God. And that's the big thing. And once Jesus comes into my life and he helps me re be reconciled to God, it's, it's amazing that if I'm reconciled to God, I can learn to be reconciled with you. I can learn to be reconciled to the people around me if I'm first taking care of, of what is so important to be reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ today. This peace extends to those around us and we experience God-given peace, not only now, but throughout eternity. At the center of our peace is the finished work of Christ in us and, and, and for us and through us today. Now let's go back to the quote because uh, we've established a baseline. If you want peace, it comes through Jesus. There is no other way. If you want peace in your life, it begins with an emphatic, dramatic, and purposeful walk with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. There's no shortcut. There's no magic pill. There's nothing but a dynamic, life-changing relationship to Jesus Christ. Now we go back to what Keller said. He said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us, and so we are the ones who can dispel the darkness. We can overcome poverty, evil, and violence, and injustice, and if we work together, we can create a world of unity and peace. Well, if you were to read his book, Tim Keller would give you an emphatic, no, we're not able, and I agree with Tim Keller, that on my best day, I'm not able to generate enough light in this world to bring peace. I'm not able to do it. No, we cannot build a world of unity and peace. No, we do not have innate light within us. No, we cannot dispel the darkness. In fact, the Bible tells me that we, in John chapter 1, we are living in darkness. And no, in and of myself, I don't have the means or the ethic or the desire to root out evil and poverty and injustice. But that's okay because I know someone who can't. I know someone who does, and his name is Jesus. Aren't you glad you're in church this morning? Because today, we get this, this relationship reacquaintance, this, this realization that it's in Christ Jesus, that while the world tries a little, 
and does so poorly. There is one whose name is Jesus who is more than able. If Christmas shouts anything, it's this thought. You and I can't save ourselves. We just can't do it. We can't build peace. We need peace. We can't create unity. We need someone to unify us. We're not light. We live in a lack of light, darkness. And if there's any hope of vanquishing those things in our world, poverty, injustice, and evil, it will be Christ in us, the hope of glory. It will be in Christ alone that we build our trust. And if we're going to change the world, it comes down to your and my relationship to God through Jesus Christ today. The light of the world, Christmas means this. Christmas means I no longer have to run from God. Christmas means I no longer have to pretend I'm the king. Christmas means I no longer have to fight for a crown. Christmas means I no longer have to pretend. Christmas means that God loved me so much he gave me Jesus. And even that simple thought right there gives me peace. And it restores my hope today. It's because of Christ that Jesus comes and he can make things right. The Bible says this in Romans 5 and 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the big issue isn't that you're mad at me or I'm mad at you. The issue is that we've been at odds with God because we wanted to take where God needed to be in our lives. We wanted to pretend it was all about us. We wanted to sit on the throne. We wanted to wear the crown. We wanted, it, we wanted to worship not the creator, but the created. And it's created a mess we call this present world. And Christmas comes and it reminds us that God says, you guys matter so much, I'm gonna give you Jesus to help you straighten stuff out. The Bible says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross, Christmas says, Christmas screams. I mean, that little narrative we read, the Christmas story, what it's saying is the, the, the angels, the choir, they're making this announcement that hope is now available, that, that peace can be ours, that joy is possible, and that love can abound. Christmas says there's hope in Christ. Why? Because Isaiah 6 and 9. Uh, excuse me, nine and six says that he's not only is our wonderful counselor, but he is our prince of peace. He is our prince of peace and we can have peace with God because Jesus makes us right. And if I'm right with God, I can be right with you. Friend, I want you to hear me because someone needs to hear this day. There's no point in trying to keep working on, I want to be careful how I say this. I'm going to rephrase. It's okay that you're working on your relationship with your spouse, but if you're not going to work on your relationship with God, you're going to have a problem. It's okay to put it that way. I mean, don't get the, don't get the cart before the horse. I had to think on that. Uh, well, Pastor Ray, I need you to help me solve this problem. That's not your problem. That's not the problem. The problem's back here. Where's your relationship with God. Are you walking in peace on a daily basis? You tell me what Jesus means to you and I'll tell you how your marriage is gonna go. It's okay to say that. I get a little wound up. If you're a guest here, I apologize. But if you tell me this, I can pretty much forecast how this is going to go. We already deal with enough stuff in our past. We don't need to try and do something in our own strength today. 
Finding peace is, you know, there's, there are practical things. And I put together a practical list at Christmas because some people go a little crazy at Christmas. But this isn't an exhaustive list. And I could probably add another list and maybe next week when I'm speaking again. So if you didn't want to come, now's your chance because I'm, I'm, I'm up again next week. Um, I may do another list next week. But here's a list on some pretty basic things. If you want peace at Christmas, do, do some practical stuff. Set some realistic expectations. We have, we have some people who are perfectionists in this room. Can I just be honest with you? You're not perfect, I'm not perfect. Jesus is perfect, so let's focus on him. Is that okay? Don't get wound up on trying to make the perfect Christmas. There's no such thing. The only perfect part of Christmas was when Jesus came and he, he came into a mess. Okay? Focus on things that, uh, number two, simplify celebration. You know, we're still a little early, but I just want to say, make your celebrations a little, little more a little less dramatic and a little more people-focused. Skip the stress of the elaborate. Focus on things that bring joy. And, and don't go crazy with the credit card. Is that okay to say in church? Don't go crazy. With, they're charging some incredible interest rates right now. That if you make the minimum payment, you will never pay off in your lifetime. Anyway, practice gratitude. <laughs> practice gratitude. Let each day be about the things that we're grateful for. Let each day be what you're grateful for. Express gratitude to others through words and through text and through emails and through notes and stuff like that. Small acts of kindness. Set some boundaries. Some of you, you're planning your Christmas and you're going to be at a dozen different places and you're going to do this, this, and this. I would say set some boundaries and, and make it about the things that count. Don't say yes to everything. Focus on relationships. This Christmas, make a point, whether it's through the giving tree or something else, help others. Help others. Give the gift of yourself. And then finally, the last two, number seven, make time for solitude and reflection. Make time for solitude and reflection. Our, our, we're getting our tree up today and get, we'll get it decorated by tomorrow maybe. And by tomorrow night, I'll be sitting in front of that tree every night. Uh, I like to end my day sitting in, Mary makes a beautiful living room and it's gorgeous and I'm looking at that Christmas tree and I'm putting on Christmas music. Uh, you guys may not be aware, there's a singer, her name is uh, Carrie Underwood. And uh, she's really good. Between you and I, she's really good. And she does some Christmas music that makes me weep. I mean, when she sings Oh Holy Night, oh my goodness. And what I'll do is I'll sit there and I'll, uh, I'll, there's this lady in our home called Alexa. And I'll say to Alexa, Alexa, play Karen Underwood, Oh Holy Night. And she will play it. And I'll listen to it. And it just, it, you know, because if, if my day's been kind of, it just, to where the important becomes important again. Now get this. Let's add something to this. What if we ended our day that way? And I know it's busier in the mornings, but what if we did something in the morning, just maybe on the way to work, maybe it's a quick prayer saying, Jesus, be my peace. Jesus, give me peace today when I'm dealing with Ralph. <laughs> give me peace today as I deal with Ralph. What's funny is there may be one person here with a Ralph in their life. But you know who I'm talking about. Give me peace today. 
Don't let me react, let me respond. And then throw on some, some, some worship music. Some of the songs they sang today would be powerful. One they're going to end with, perfect. About Jesus being our peace. But set time aside for reflection. You know the one thing we don't do enough of as a people, even the people of God? We don't reflect and we don't have enough time just by ourselves. I don't mean being lonely. I don't mean being lonely. There's, there's, a, a, there's an epidemic of loneliness in our world. No, 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 no. I'm talking about those moments where purposeful solitude, when we can just be alone with our thoughts and not have them influenced by TV. I like, I like British television. I, I can, if I'm not careful, I can watch it all the time. I love British television. I love their sense of humor. I love, their, I love everything about British television. But if I'm, if I'm watching that and I'm not focusing on this, then that, that becomes a problem. Let me ask you a question. What is it in your life that's consuming you and not allowing you to reflect upon the goodness of our God? What is it? Now, I gotta talk fast in these next few minutes, so you listen fast, okay? Because I got long-winded. Number eight should go without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Find meaning and peace in Jesus. Be like Mary and ponder these things in your heart. Be like the wise men and still seek him. Be like the shepherds and go find him. Go do it. And two things, and I'll close with this. Two things, seriously, and I mean it. I mean it this time. Number one is this. Pastor Ray, when, there, when, when everything calms down, then I'll seek peace. <laughs> really? Well, you and I, how many know where I'm going with this so I don't have to take a lot of time with it? Life doesn't slow down, people. You want the peace of Jesus? It happens when, when you're on the Sea of Galilee, the waves are high, the wind is blowing, and it's raining like crazy, and the thunder's thundering that's where peace happens peace is not the absence of conflict peace is is peace in the midst of the storm and jesus said these words he said uh, put put that verse up there for me so i don't mess it up i have told you these things so that in me you may have peace and in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world jesus already said you're gonna have trouble it's a given it's a fact but that's okay because there in the midst of it, in the midst of the storm, you can have peace. Real peace is conflict is, is in the midst of conflict. Well, Pastor Ray, if I stop fighting with my wife, then I'll seek peace. Pal, my suggestion would be, now this is just me and you do what you want. I think I would seek peace in the middle of the conflict. I think I would learn to be peaceful so that you don't explode your marriage. This is just me talking. This is just between you and I. If you want to save your marriage rather than blow it up, you'll be the guy, you'll be the one who seeks peace and you'll stop saying, what about her? Forget her and work on you. Because that'll go a long way. And don't, nobody clap because this could get tense. And vice versa. If each person will work on their own peace, then when you come together, there might be more peace in the relationship. But that's just smart thinking today. Smart thinking. I'm sorry, but, but you know what? I deal with stuff sometimes, and, and I'm not a counselor. I, we leave that to smart people. But you know, when I do, I am constantly amazed at the way we sabotage, sabotage our own relationships. We sabotage them. And, and what I'm saying is today, in the name of Jesus, if we will focus on our walk with Jesus, it will help our marriages today. It'll help our marriages. And... You know, Jesus said, let me read, 
straight up 12. Nobody leave because this is important. If the home, uh, Matthew 10, 13, and I'll close right here, and I meant it this time. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If, if the home is deserving. Now, Jesus, this is a weird verse, and you've got to understand it. Jesus is sending his disciples out to take the message of the gospel out into the world. He's saying, go get them. Go get them. And he's saying, if they're open to the gospel of peace, let your peace abound toward them and share the gospel. He says, but there'll be a group of people who aren't ready for that. He said this, take your peace back with you. When I read that, I got... It, 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 it touched my heart. What's it say to us as we close? When we walk out these doors, we not only, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are, the, blessed are the peacemakers, that's us, for they are the children of God. When we go out these doors, we go with the assurance that not only is God wanting to spend time building us up, you know, I grew up in a, in, real quickly, I grew up in a church where you walk down front, people prayed on you, and, and they, everyone expected you to be instantly perfect when you walked back from that prayer. That all your problems were solved, that it was all good, and you could just go and live life in Christ. I grew up in the church, and frankly, I'll be honest, there were some people, and I'm not taking away, God did a powerful thing in their lives, but more often than not, those people left with the same problems they came with. Because what I've learned in my, in my 26 years, it's, yeah, think on it. Yeah. In, my, in my longer time than that, uh, I've learned this. I've got to spend time with Jesus on a daily basis if I'm going to become the man who can, who can have peace and share peace with others. There's no shortcuts. If you want peace in your life today, I have no magic pill to give you. I can't pray over you. I can, in Christ, I am, now get this, I am positionally at peace with God. Positionally. But practically, I need to spend time in the presence of Jesus every single day to be a, a man of peace. That's important today to get. Because one simple message on this, on peace, isn't going to do it for you. You've got to wake up in the morning with an itinerary and a plan to find peace for you. But once you do, Jesus said, I'm going to send you out there and I, and I want you to, to preach the gospel of peace. Peace found in Christ. I want you to go out there and do that. Now, there'll be some people who aren't going to hear your message. How many know that when we go out there, there's a lot of people out there that don't care to know what we have to say anymore? We've lost our voice. Through foolishness, through ignorance, through a lot of things, we've lost our voice out there. But there are some people who will hear and you want to share peace with them. And here's the secret sauce to sharing peace with people who are pagans and don't know Jesus. Are you ready? You want to write this down? Here it is. It's humility. It's humility. Pointing the finger at people and saying, you've got to do this, this, and this. Or being upset because pagans act like pagans and don't want to follow Jesus. They're pagans. What do you expect? The second thing is this, there'll be people who won't receive what you have to offer. Don't let them steal your peace. Don't let them take from you what God has given to you. Take your peace back and say, I'm going to hold on to what I got in Christ. That person doesn't want to hear it, then I'll go to this person, then I'll go to this person. I'll find somebody who wants to hear about Jesus. 
but I'm not going to let people rob me or steal from me or take what Christ has done in me positionally and what he wants to do in me practically by the Holy Spirit. I won't let anyone steal that from me. Circumstances. A lot of us, we try to self-medicate. There's such a hole inside, I guarantee you, of some of us in this room. There's this hole here that only the peace of Christ can fill. But we try to fill it with other things, like we medicate with, with drugs, or with alcohol, or with food. My, my, I'm a Ben and Jerry's freak, you know? I'd mainline it if I could. I mean, we all have our stuff, and we try to medicate ourselves that way. It doesn't work. The hole is still there after the pint's gone. Right? We try to medicate. We try to pretend like our past, is, our past weren't. Hey, you know what? You've been beat up and broken. Some of you have homes, came from homes that make me weep. Some of you women have stories that, that are heartbreaking. And the enemy wants to beat you up with that every single day and says, well, because that happened, you're not worthy or you don't measure up or you're not good enough. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Christmas says one thing more than anything else. You matter. God sent his son. That's game, set, and match in my, in my estimation. You have work today. You matter to God. And he wants you to walk in peace, not only for the people out there, but for who you are. Jesus Christ came that you might experience peace today. Amen? Well, I'm, I'm done. Until next week. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father... Lord Jesus, please take my words. However, however and whenever my flesh got in the way, let your spirit, Lord, take these words that are so important today about peace. Because you said you have peace available for us. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit begins to work in me and in us so we can sense our value in terms of who Jesus is. Jesus died for us, Lord. You died for us. You matter because we matter. We matter because of who you are. So Lord, I pray for us today. I pray that you would search our hearts and those hidden, hidden moments, those hidden fears, those hidden insecurities, those hidden anxieties. Could we just be honest with you about and say, Lord, it's me. I stand with Ray, I, I struggle. Lord, teach me your way. Let me practice your ways so that I can become a person of peace today. In Christ's name, we ask these things. This last song is powerful in its message. Please stand, let's sing it together. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.